Hello and welcome to the Crux, the weekly Women's Agenda podcast. In today's episode, we are discussing the women this week who've been affected by AI distorted images and who is really to blame. We'll look at a rundown of the ABC's tell-all docuseries on the coalition government and look at the issue of neo-Nazis appearing in Sydney over the weekend. Thank you for listening. We are recording this episode of The Crux on the 1st of February. My name is Angela Priestley and I'm joining you from Gadigal land. I'm joined by my co-founder and Women's Agenda editor, Tyler Lambert. Hello, Tyler. Hey, Ange. Nice to be back. Apparently it's the 1st of February, so I don't think it's like a Happy New Year sort of uh, situation, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's officially not okay to say Happy New Year anymore. I'm pretty just, sure that ended like two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. So, yeah. Anyway. I have been feeling uncomfortable about it for about two weeks. Yeah, so <laughs> that, that checks out. Um, yes. So um, should we go to our wins this week? Yep, we should go to our wins. What's, uh, you what's first. yours? Oh, me you first. first. Okay. So my win this week I think was a bit of a no-brainer and it goes to E. Jean Carroll who has said she plans to create a fund for the women who have been sexually assaulted by Donald Trump from the $83 million she scored in damages from a jury for Trump's repeated defamatory statements towards her this week. So Carol, who's 80 years old, rationalised her decision in the best way possible, I think, by saying, I'd like to give money to something Donald Trump hates. If it will cause him pain for me to give money to certain things, that's my intent. And of course, we know that dozens of women by now have accused the former US president of rape, sexual assault and sexual harassment dating back to the 1970s, though he's so far denied it all. Go figure. Carol, who was a former L advice columnist, alleged that Trump had raped her in a dressing room at the Bergdorf Goodman department stores in Manhattan around 1995. And then he defamed her on his truth social platform in October 2022 by denying it happened at all. And in May last year, Carol won $5 million in damages from a civil case against Trump. And then the further $83 million in damages was awarded to her on Friday. The jury took less than three hours to return a verdict that Trump should pay her the amount in damages to compensate for the defamatory statements that he had made against her in 2019. So yes, that is my win for this week. I think she is a powerhouse. And if it was enough to stop Trump from winning the Republican nomination or the next presidency, then I'd be even more euphoric. But I don't think that that is uh, really likely. I think he is. (laughs) Nothing will stop him except maybe Taylor Swift. I don't know. It does yeah, seem maybe. like it's um this one's up to I mean it shouldn't be up to women but it does seem like uh they are having the biggest impact on Trump at the moment. I know that some of his uh people are getting a bit upset about Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl and everything going on there. But yeah, great one. We should have convened because that was also going to be my win of the week. So clearly oh, a good one. Sorry. <laughs> so I will um stolen. I'll, I'll use my win to highlight a bit of a point that I actually shared last Friday. It's a few days old and it is regarding the Australia Day honours list. So I guess, first of all, the win aspect, obviously, you know, lots of great women recognised and for a second year in a row, there was a slightly higher number of women than men who were recognised in the general division. So that was at 50.5% of the 700 or so awards. Also great to see, uh, you know, pioneering melanoma expert 
Professor Georgina Long recognised as Australian of the Year alongside Richard Scolia. And I think, you know, great that the proportion is higher, but obviously that proportion needs to be, you know, significantly higher to make up for all the women who haven't been recognised since these honours were created. But also I just wanted to highlight, you know, one of the reasons why this might be happening, which could be a really good opportunity for those of us who, you know, are interested in doing nominations and seeing how we can get more women recognised is in the fact that people with careers and work in the care sector don't really seem to get recognised, which just seems like a real issue. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So when you like run, because it always says when someone gets one of those um, recognitions, it always says the services that they've been recognised for. So you can run like searches over them. And I saw that just one person who happened to be a woman was recognised for work in childcare and that was Louise Maiden. There was just two recognised for anything to do with age care, but then there are 36 recognised, you know, with the word business. There are 25 recognised with the word law. Science gets 26 mentions. There were 12 people recognised with the word church. Oh, God. And I saw that 76 people had the word education in their mm. They're listening as to why they were educated, but that rarely ever related to primary and secondary education. It was often things like, you know, for their work uh, in education of, you know, people in agriculture or industry related things like that or in academia. Mm. So, and you just think, God, we've got these critical shortages in early childhood education, in nursing, aged care, in teaching, which we're talking a lot about in New South Wales this week. And obviously the first thing is to make sure that those people are getting you know, those who work in those sectors are getting paid more. But also a really obvious thing would also be to, you know, recognise and to show that, you know, we appreciate people who work in these fields who dedicate their lives to some form of care or teaching in this way and to get them on these honours lists. So, yeah. yeah. I think it does really highlight something pretty disturbing in society that we aren't valuing the care workforce in the way that we need to be, particularly when they are doing the most immense job and keeping everything going for yeah. the rest of society. Like it is, it's a real issue. And obviously when we talk about like workers getting paid more and being recognised more, it really does go to the heart of it, which is we need to value that work so much more. Yes. Yeah. And we absolutely do. And I just think this is a really great opportunity to not only, you know, look at improving the diversity of these lists, but to actually get other areas recognized as well. And to, you know, all the benefits that will come from creating more accolades and, you know, more recognition. And isn't this amazing around people who do work in the care economy? Okay, so to our next story this week here at Women's Agenda, we are always reporting on the rapid development of AI and Ange and I often uh, digress <laughs> into various conversations about there. AI. I won't um, go there, Tyler. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we are also, we're often looking at how women fit into the picture and perhaps how women are affected by the growing technology. We know from our reporting that AI disproportionately affects women and girls in a negative way. And this week we saw just how dangerous the technology can be. On Sunday, the search term Taylor Swift was blocked on X as AI-generated sexually explicit images of Taylor Swift were circulated on the platform. Just days later, Victorian MP Georgie Purcell called out Nine News for photoshopping an image of her body in its news bulletin to enlarge her breasts and alter her outfit to give her a midriff so it was more revealing. 
Ange, so much to unpack here. So many stories we've had on these two issues. What does all of this mean for AI and women and and how do we control it? (laughs) What does it all mean? I I think... (laughs) It doesn't okay. mean anything particularly good. I, I well, just not actually. Just throw I it might, out there. I might say that. I mean, it's obviously horrifying, but these high-profile examples, I think, could also have a positive impact. I mean, and a big credit, especially to Georgie Purcell, who has taken this issue on. And I completely understand it takes so much courage to do so, and she should not have to do this. She should be able to focus on her other work, which is also really interesting this week and important given she's part of the Animal Justice Party in Victoria there. But, you know, she has it has gotten a lot of headlines in Australia, and I also noticed I think it is internationally as well. And for Taylor Swift, I mean, oh, just disturbing. I, I read earlier that one of the images that did appear on X was viewed 45 million times before X took it down, mm. like 45 million times. So clearly there's an opportunity for the tech platforms to get in and do more to identify this earlier and to make sure that they can address it quickly if it does happen and take some responsibility for it. I think I think you just said that X actually had to like shut down or something to actually address that issue. But, you know, and saying that like with Taylor Swift in very swift form and probably part of the reason she was named Time Person of the Year last year, her influence is having an immediate and swift effect on this issue. I like like how many times you're dropping in Swift here. It's good. I know. I'm not usually, I'm not a massive fan of Taylor Swift as like we've discussed previously, but she obviously has this huge influence, you know, like adding 0.5 percentage points to US GDP and and transforming the entire economies of cities that she visits and stuff like that. So all positive influences. She may even have an influence on the US election for all we know. We'll see what happens there. I'd be surprised if she didn't, to be fair. Like, I mean- we know as soon as she opens her mouth, yeah, like hordes will follow. So, but following the incident with the deep fakes and things, she now has Congress now, you know, getting pretty loud and vocal, calling for new laws to criminalize the creation of deep fake images and things like that. So that's already having an impact. Nothing she's necessarily directly done there, but the fact it has happened and it involved her and it's gone so big so quickly, it is now getting Congress talking about it. And the reality is that this stuff has been happening to people for the past, you know, at least the past year or so as these tools have become really, really easy and cheap to access and use. And it's often just happening amongst like high school kids or Mm. there's been cases in Australia where like images have been used in these entire, like across various forums and stuff just been, and those in the images don't even know that it's happening. So at least it's putting some really swift and fast attention on the fact this is happening and hopefully that will lead to something better than what we have. I think that's right. And obviously the power of Taylor Swift cannot be underestimated in kind of, I guess, triggering change on this issue. My concern is that legislation is so slow. It takes such a long time to put into effect and the technology is evolving at such a rapid rate that it's hard to fathom how we get ahead of this necessarily, like to to legislate And then, uh, you know, as soon as you legislate on one thing, the goalposts move and you have to look at something else. And I am concerned that the people that are making those decisions on legislation just aren't quick enough to to do it. And I, I can see how this is an issue that will just 
spiral out of control. Like you're right that it has existed for a long time. There are so many sites that you can go to now to access deep fake porn. But I think with AI growing at the speed it is, it's only going to get worse. And I, I, yeah, I think that's, it's going to be a really challenging thing to contain. Yeah, I think so. But I think we'll actually see a bit more of a response now that this has happened. We're all clearly seeing it, how it happens. And, you know, even we saw the nine response to the Georgie Purcell thing. I don't think anyone's really buying that response that it just randomly happened and it just <laughs> automated. And obviously if that did happen, that's also a massive concern too. So no one's buying that. Everyone's like, well, actually there's something going on. So go and, I mean, my sort of thinking is you need to do like an internal review and think about what is happening with all your 100%. images and the individuals behind it because clearly yeah. this is requiring human intervention. So Yeah, yeah. For to, context, so yeah. at nine hasn't taken accountability or said that any one person was in charge of that decision to alter Georgie Purcell's body in that image. They blamed it on AI. <laughs> I was um, it's like a blockchain of like just Yeah, like which is that. just utterly <laughs> ridiculous. Clearly someone had to make a call yeah, as Anne said, clearly there was human uh, intervention. Uh, mm. Absolutely insane response, um, mm. which they are copying a lot of backlash, rightly so, for. And yeah, I think you made the comment this week, like you know, it's not often that we suggest that heads should roll in a first instance or something like that. But when we're talking about that issue, it's like when do we take a really emphatic stance? Like we we actually have to get a bit more cutthroat on this issue like I think it's it's high time otherwise we are going to normalize it we are going to become kind of socially desensitized to it and just accepting and I I I can't accept that that's okay okay so on to another story I know we wanted to just take a little peek at the uh, ABC, the first episode of their three-part docuseries, Nemesis, and that it's a program that's investigating the nine years of coalition government in Australia, starting with former Prime Minister Tony Abbott in 2013, followed by Malcolm Turnbull and ending with Scott Morrison in 2022. And it's basically a series of various interviews of various politicians, coalition politicians, like squirming in their seats as they <laughs> ask questions. And- <laughs> giving various responses and uh, sharing various elements of their personality along the way. So, Tala, what did you sort of make of the first (laughs) episode as like a little walk down memory lane on like the Abbott years it was? Well, Abbott refused to take part in this documentary, I should note. So he's the first Prime Minister apparently in history that has refused to take part in an investigation by the ABC like this. So Mm. that was quite interesting. But Yeah, I mean, taking a walk back on Tony Abbott's leadership, I said elicited a kind of mix of amusement, cringe and blind fury. Like I think that era in politics and we were watching, you know, what was unravelling with the the Gillard leadership and then obviously Abbott followed on from that, which is a disaster in itself. But it was really interesting to see because I think at that time I had thought that it was like an aberration like Tony Abbott was an aberration he wasn't meant to be there he was like touted as the mad monk that was unelectable and then all of a sudden he like fell into this position and what I think actually happened was that it saw in more than a decade of leadership that was hinged on a similar premise really like 
you know, yes, Abbott was pretty odd in the, mm. as Barnaby Joyce put it in the documentary. You know, he wasn't always the most socially intelligent, even though he's a Rhodes Scholar. I think that that's probably the understatement of the century. And mm. we, you know, recognize him for his gaffes, but he also, his leadership was defined by negativity and divisiveness. You know, he was propped up on three word slogans and stop the boats, stop the taxes. And I guess we've just kind of seen that carry forth through Morrison, through, I'd say Turnbull tried a different tact, but I, I think the other point I made in this piece was just that like none of them, so Turnbull, Morrison, Abbott, and now Dutton, I, I can't see that any of them have cared about what their legacy would be, which I think is the defining factor. Like, you know, I think Abbott always cared more about proclaiming what he was against rather than what he was for. He stood for nothing. Morrison cared more about God and politics than he ever did about policy. And he openly said that it wasn't legacy was never something that he thought about. And Turnbull had the opportunity to take a real stand on issues like gay marriage. And I know that it passed through at that point, but he fell to a plebiscite when he could have made a call on that. And, you know, his leadership at that point, I know he was under a lot of pressure from the right faction of the party, but he was really weak in his leadership. And I know he's more vocal now outside of politics, but but certainly at the time. And and Dutton, like Dutton has kind of fallen back into that Tony Abbott trap of division and, and negativity, you know, boycott Woolworths, you know, the voice to parliament, everything around that. So it just saw in this era of like zero progress for, for the Liberal Party. And I just kind of couldn't help but reflect on if there wasn't zero ideology between these four people and they were able to kind of stop themselves from sniping and causing havoc for each other in, in government, maybe we would end up have ended up with like a, a decisively better policy set across so many spaces. You know, if they were focused on the work that they were meant to be doing, would we be in a very different place? So that was a very long-winded um, <laughs> reflection, I guess, but I think it was really illuminating for the Liberal Party uh, in general, and I can't help but think that, like, all it showed was that the coalition is just as cooked as it was back then. Like, I I can't see any real progress taking place. Mm. Did you watch it? Uh, I watched it on the treadmill, um, <laughs> like a day, like not quite as it was happening. I, I wouldn't say I was, like, overly... I don't know. I, was, I got bored at different points, I guess, because it's sort of looking over history, I guess. So it was nice as like an exercise in history. And you do see this desperation of ego for leadership over service, which is just not on. And I just wish we didn't have that in politics at all. I, I don't think the Labor Party's immune from that at all either. So it happens. But the most like telling part for me, like the real bit that I was just really intrigued by was when Barnaby Joyce said... <laughs> I think he mentioned like a quadrant of the brain and he was talking about the different forms of intelligence, which I know that you just mentioned, Tyler, with uh, Abbott lacking emotional intelligence. And so he's talking about this quadrant and he shares these three types of intelligence being social intelligence and sporting intelligence and academic intelligence. <laughs> and he doesn't share a fourth one. <laughs> so what is the fourth <laughs> But leaving that issue aside. Fundamentally missed the point of a quadrant. 
<laughs> Leaving that issue aside, what is sporting intelligence? I, I, I was like floored. I was like, sporting intelligence? Is that like about, like, is that like knowing where to be on the field? Like, is it like understanding the spacing of where, or where like, you know, where to be defending and where to be attacked? Like, is it that? Is that sporting? <laughs> and is there like this, like, I don't know, does that kind of allude to the idea of understanding the numbers or whatever in politics and who's got you? Or is he literally talking about sporting intelligence in terms of knowing, you know, who's on the, yeah, like who's at the top of the ladder of the NRL or, you know, maybe <laughs> when when you're watching a live Matildas game and when you are actually watching a rerun from a few years back, <laughs> as Barnaby Joyce says that he was, <laughs> during the World Cup. <laughs> what uh, the hell is sporting intelligence and how do you have it? <laughs> it doesn't sound <laughs> like Oh is my it god. A natural thing is it like you have to uh, anyway. That was that was I am going to hazard a guess that Barnaby Joyce does not have sporting intelligence no matter know. what. <laughs> I, I reckon he'd have his version of sporting intelligence. I don't know. I'm sure he he'd be into mm. sport. He'd be like into cricket mm. or I'm is sure. He? I don't uh, know. I think he's into wine. <laughs> Sporting intelligence. Or is it about being like fit and athletic? Is it like, you know, how Tony Abbott was always like cycling and swimming and is that sporting intelligence? Like knowing how to work out or well, like, like wearing a bungee smuggler when no one wants to see you in a bungee smuggler? Is that it? Because I'm going to say that's profoundly unintelligent. Stop showing us your junk. <laughs> what is? Yeah, maybe it's, yeah, knowing when to, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I don't know if he said that. Abbott had sporty intelligence. I can't remember. He definitely I don't know said if we lacked. should try to analyse what Barnaby Joyce means because I think we could be here for a very long time in so many different aspects. I think that, like, the Barnaby Joyce interview of the Turnbull years is going to be really interesting because that was, like, the bonk ban and all that kind of stuff. So that Oh, yeah. And apparently he drops a uh, four-word expletive in description of Turnbull oh. around the time. I have heard. Somebody dropped the F-bomb. I'm sure it was Turnbull at the end of... I think he just said that Tony Abbott had told him to fuck off. <laughs> oh, that's right. Sorry, that was yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which <laughs> checks out more. But, <laughs> but you know, that's also Turnbull. Like, I went in, you know, saying no hard feelings. Like, <laughs> fair enough. Abbott might tell you to fuck off. So, <laughs> Anyway, enough analysis. Um, on to our third story. And I feel like maybe we should have actually saved Nemesis for the last one because I feel like we're now kind of going head strong into a really another serious issue. But Tyler, do you want to lead us in? So last Friday, the public holiday for Australia Day, a group of men dressed in all black, including black balaclavas, boarded a train at Artaman, which is a suburb in North Sydney, and they were from the neo-Nazi group called National Socialist Network. They claimed they were travelling into the city to participate in Australia Day events, but New South Wales police intercepted the group at North Sydney Station. Six were arrested and 57 were issued with rail infringement notices. And in response to the incident, New South Wales Premier Chris Minns rightly called them absolutely pathetic, which I think is actually kind. And what were your thoughts? I know you kind of texted me a bit about this one over the weekend. My first thought was, what a bunch of losers. Like, 
the most basic term. Like, what is going on here? Come on, guys. Like, you're not even kind of generating a gathering. You didn't actually get to your destination. It all kind of fell apart. But then I was like, you know, you think it through. It's like, well, maybe they did get their desired or had their desired impact because they did get plenty of media attention. You know, again, it's like a tiny group and there they are. They're on the news. They're in the papers. People are talking about it. People are talking about the the founder of this movement. And, and then you think like what kind of, you know, what it lacks if you're going to do that kind of thing and you wear a mask, like at least show your face and put your face to it. And then I know that some actually do. And then now I know uh, Premier Chris Minns is saying, is looking at more penalties for those who participate in this kind of thing and um, how police might be able to actually unmask those who participate as well, which would expose, as he said, you know, it would expose you as like a massive racist to basically everyone who knows you, which would be interesting itself. And then the really sad thing here is what is underlying this? What is going on? And I know that what is happening is they are jumping on issues that Australians are divided on. And it's just such a pathetic thing to go and do. It's like we're going to go for like the low-hanging fruit, you know, where, where, where opinions can really be divided, say, on Australia Day. So that was their issue. Like let's go and try and, you know, get involved in this thing. Or let's go and get involved in a, a drag queen reading a book in a library somewhere. Or let's just get involved in the, the anti-trans movement as if like these people are being so heavily impacted by this issue, which, you know, they're just frankly not. Mm. So like I, I just think it's so sad and, and just, I guess, pathetic as well. And it goes to the same, you know, what we're talking about legacy as well. It's like you're so hungry for something in this case I don't even know what they're hungry I don't even know what they stand for I actually don't know you see the sign saying Australia for the white man uh, uh, like uh, okay uh, yeah. <laughs> pretty um, sure it's, it already is it already is <laughs> Think, yeah like so obviously feeling aggrieved by something but I just and I don't think I actually want to know what you stand for but the fact is they don't really stand for much it's just this sort of pathetic like let's jump on anything let's jump on anything to get attention and that's what's mm. going on here and it's just you know it's I like know, I know sad and pathetic and I do think we need to look a little harder and just try to get to the bottom of what's going on. Denise Shrevel wrote a really good piece looking at democracy and that's really important. It shows the need to be ensure like our democracy does stay really robust and strong because there are all sorts of tactics that relate to the tactics that are going on with these neo-Nazis that we do see being used in elections internationally and, and possibly here too. And so just to make sure that those tactics, as she puts it, is about the ecosystems of outrage, you know, trying to like enter these different ecosystems of outrage to try and further spark division and to mm. just get more and more attention, do it again, do it again and repeat. And so, you know, we just need to be mindful of what is going on there and try to... <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. I think heavy sessions of therapy, I think, are on the cards. Yeah. Um, I might say, sorry, Denise's final point was that no one is coming to save us but us. You know, we have we all have a role to play to support and strengthen our democracy. And so, you know, get involved, participate, understand the issues, know what's going on. And I think that counts for again going against the slogans that appear in politics. It's like don't just or the slogans that appear on the front pages of newspapers as well. Don't just take that as for word for what's going on, you know. Yeah. Um, just because you see that Anthony Albanese has been described as a liar over his changes to the stage three tax cuts doesn't mean that you're actually going to be worse off with the st- with his changes. It may maybe that you're actually going to be better off. You know. So I just think, but I, I hear some of that sentiment come through that I've seen on comments to stories that we've done and things like that, where people are like, "Oh, I can't believe I'm going to be worse off." And it's like, uh, like obviously, you know, the message is cutting through. And the immediate sort of sense and reaction to that is, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm stuffed. 
It's like, I, I actually, it, it's not like that necessarily. Mm. Mm. Anyway, I need to wrap up there. I have talked way too long and Tala has another meeting, as I've just been told. <laughs> so thank you for listening to the Women's Agenda podcast, The Crux. A reminder that you can keep up with all the stories that we discuss here on womensagenda.com.au, where you can also subscribe to our lunchtime daily news update, which we've just relaunched this week and looks really nice and it's quite interesting and we're getting really great and positive feedback about so go and check it out thank you for listening 